I'm a Cadaver. Alakazam was the name of that one. It's by none other than Psychedelic Porn Croppers because who else would come up with such a good name for a song there? Um, we're lucky enough right now to be joined by the frontman of Psychedelic Porn Crumpets for the third time. Jack, welcome and uh, welcome back and thank you for joining us again. Thank you very much for having me back on, lads. Pleasure to be here. Now, we've got you on um, because it, it, I was thinking before, like it felt like, you know, not long ago that we, we had you on and that was for the release of Night Gnomes, which was last year. But you guys have done it again and you've got a new album just dropped on the 10th of November. Um, so first of all, how's that turnaround work for you guys? Because for some artists, an album will take four years. And for you guys, you've turned around a whole, you know, and we know what your songs, are, uh, your music's like. It's so layered and there's so much to it. And you've turned that around in one year. Yeah, I suppose we realized we peaked back in 2016. So we're just milking it now. <laughs> just trying to, uh, yeah, get as many records as possible. Um, no, hopefully, hopefully the opposite. I feel like we're just starting to get like actually kind of comfortable and into a, a almost like a routine work routine, which is, uh, I suppose, the thing that you've always been trying to chase when you are doing music is to be able to have the freedom and not the worry of working at somewhere else to make money from music. So it's like, all right, like if we're going to do it, we'll treat it like a job. Like we all come from obviously the building site and stuff like that. So when you're sort of going from Monday to Saturday, you're like, oh, if we put that same attitude into music and writing and recording and touring, like hopefully we can, I don't know, record a hundred songs a year, narrow that down to 10 and here's the best ones that we can make some weird names for and <laughs> put them out on, on whatever. This is your sixth album. Uh, there will be 10 tracks, or well, there are 10 tracks on it. Um, last time we spoke to you, as Amy mentioned, you just released the previous album, and a lot of that was done in-house by yourself. How much of this album was also done by yourself, or did you seek a bit more external help to try and get that turnaround done within pretty much 12 months? Uh, probably should have asked for more <laughs> external help, but yeah, like, it's... Um, no, I, th I think this time around, I tried to do more, if anything. It was like, all right, I think last time I got so reliant on Jelly who and sort of a mastering engineer. And I think every time you give it to someone else, it changes a little bit that it feels like not your creation as much. So I did try this time around to make it as finished as possible before I send it off to Jelly who mastered the record. But we sat together for, oh man, a good probably two or three months after the album had been finished just tweaking and getting little bits right so there is someone there he's polishing polishing my turds so to speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and he's really good at it so <laughs> is that something you think you might pursue you know outside of just what you do now with psychedelic porn crumpets do you think you might or have you already sort of mixed and mastered some tracks for some other bands locally no, I, I don't know. I never really have the time. And I don't know how well I would do it for someone else. I suppose for me, it's like, it doesn't feel like a job. So it's like a switch off in a way. Um, like I would do it with other people who are mates and like see like um, how this works or what techniques. But then I'm filled with bad techniques. So it's almost like if I, if I showed you anything, it'd be just wrong in the first place. And then they'd be like, why does that work? But I have no idea. Like what's phasing? I don't know, but we'll just it works unfazed. <laughs> so you just like yeah, that's uh, that seems to be my technique or logic behind it. Um, but I would love to eventually, and I suppose every time I'm doing something wrong, I know it's wrong. If, so I'm sort of learning as we go. 
which usually would take someone a couple of years for a degree. It's taken me, it will take me 20 before I understand how to plug something in, right? So, <laughs> With this new release, uh, Franzoli, I just wanted to ask you this because it's been curious, something that's pricked my curiosity lately. We're seeing a lot of artists drop albums that are like 20-something tracks and et cetera, et cetera, to fit in with, with algorithms. And I believe that's why it's like you, know, you get some kind of algorithmic advantage through doing so. And I was wondering, um, obviously, you haven't done this with this album. It's 10 tracks. And I was kind of delighted to see that. Was there temptation at all from... Um, I mean, labels, you don't have to worry about that because you have released this one via your own label. But was, it, was there a temptation to kind of play into that uh, as that's what a lot of the industry is doing? Or were you more than happy the whole time to just go, no, we're doing 10 tracks, traditional album? Yeah, I'm, I was completely unaware that people were doing 20 tracks albums at the moment. <laughs> I think I'm stuck, in a, I'm stuck in a time warp where things I liked were sort of from the 90s and a bit before that. And so now, like, going forward, I mean, I'd listen to music i saw, <laughs> listen to music yeah but uh <laughs> no well i saw mac demarco had released like a 60 song record didn't he like and i was like that's absurd like i don't know i was like how can you get through that but i suppose some people have they can't all be quality right like if you're releasing 60 like i'm sure you've recorded 60 tracks with this album but you cut it down to 10 yeah that that's the idea you you, you try and write as much as possible and I, there was that interview with um, Dandy Warhol singer I can't remember his name but he was just like you have to record as much music as possible to get the shit ideas out so that when you are onto a good thing you're not trying to fill it with the, the sort of other ideas that you have flowed in because if you don't get it out it's going to keep mixing up with the good ideas so I completely get the point of writing and recording as much music as possible but just burn it just throw it away like put it onto a hard drive and send it off with all that bitcoin somewhere that people are trying to hunt for but i reckon yeah now release the good things because it must it must hurt like coming back to it 10 years later and you're seeing like whoa why did i do that do you know what i mean it'll be hard be embarrassing that it's not embarrassing being in a band called Psychedelic Porn Crumpets and you're in a sick record. But. <laughs> hey, it's endearing and it's earned, it's, yeah. it's earned love from, from us at the very least, but I know a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, now, this, this uh, as I alluded to before, this release from Zoli, you've got your own label, What Reality Records. Um, so what's the process been like, um, you know, like kind of setting that up for yourself? What was the motivation behind it and how's it been to kind of release your own music in your own way without that label pressure yeah i well i, I remember we were all having a chat like because we were going on tour and it sort of became apparent that like we were sort of getting a fee to write the record but it was kind of just we weren't it, we weren't being lazy with it but it was so comfortable that uh after a three album deal then it's like oh we did this many numbers so like obviously the label is trying to push you and you're trying to get into more markets and write better music but it sort of just felt like you were being paid by someone else to do something creative that i was a bit like oh like it kind of goes against all your like instinct to why you are doing it so it's now it's pretty much if we release something that is bad like we're not a band because we can't afford to do another record so i think going back into your own bubble of what is good you're going to release something that you have to be happy with and you have to sort of put like as more more work and more effort but i think that's got a better payoff because you're gonna have the rewards yourself so i think the label before for night names pressed something like thirteen thousand records 
Um, and we would still get the same amount of money. So it sort of like doesn't really matter how much the label sells. Um, but this this time round, we've just pressed 4,000 and we've made more than that label has given us over like three, three albums. So it's almost like you kind of have to weigh up as well. If you're going to do it, you might as well trust your own bat and go like try and give it a crack yourself because I think that way it's just... It's probably more humbling when you are uh, if you fail as well you, at least you failed on your own own shoulders and you obviously reap the rewards as well you get the full slice of the pie instead of That's a little it. slice of you can the chop pie your head off is... with your own sword yeah <laughs> <laughs> is this something that's been in the works for a little while like you know perhaps during covid where you're sitting at home and you were thinking about you know you're obviously already mixing a lot of your own music and recording it yourself was it a mm. natural progression and has that been in your mind for a while or how did it come about well i think the orig- the og plan like we've rec- mixed um the first record and did the same we've sort of had the same process from one and two um and we were we did a little self-release on the second record. And then I think things just got too out of hand with touring and costs and when we were on the third and fourth. And then we were like, why are we giving away the like half of it or all this sort of music that we've spent doing it in-house and we're happy to ship them out. And we have these days where we are just buying the mailers, putting the records in, like having a one-on-one communication as well with fans just because it's a smaller amount of community that we can actually deal with ourselves so i think we it's always been the plan to be self uh releasing and as um, an independent band so it felt a bit of a sham when we're like yeah we have our own record label but we're also signed to another record label so you're just like oh, if they can't do their own band like how are they going to sign anyone else so it was, yeah from now it just feels like all right cool we've got we've got control of what we want to do again and it's really exciting because it literally is, it could go anywhere. It, 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 it could fail, which I mean, if you're failing, then at least you're not tied into a three album deal and you know your shit and you've got to be writing another two <laughs> records. You're like, oh man, this is savage. Do you know what I mean? That would be awful. So so now it's like, cool, like we've already made enough money to write another album after this. So I'm like, fuck yeah, like let's go. And it's not going to be in a year or two. It could be whenever. Do you know what I mean? It might be on our own terms so i think that's we've sort of given ourselves a bit of time and a bit of um leeway to be able to write and record whatever we want which is pretty no, special we want it turned around industry. yeah again in 12 months time 12 months again for the next turnaround since you don't have any other you know people to, to talk to or anyone else to slow down the process it's all on you we want it <laughs> yeah there months. you go yeah oh shit all right what have we <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, now, I want to talk about touring as well because you're only a few weeks back from a US tour and the last time we spoke, I remember you very candidly being talking about the maturation <laughs> of your touring processes and how you were at, a, at, a, at an age and a time and an evolution where you could go and see the sights and actually enjoy the places you were in rather than just being hung over or uh, onto the next show or whatever else. Did that continue on your US trip? Did you feel like you were getting a more rounded travel experience? uh yeah yes and no like obviously there is like eight hour drives between places in america where it's just you can't even see like the petrol station you literally have like a 10 minute window to go 
Like, there's got so many fun things there. They've got, like, all the cowboy hats and stuff. That's literally all we <laughs> saw. But me and my wife went and we had a little holiday beforehand. So that was kind of cool. Like it's, it's getting to that stage now where you can be like, all right, if we're going to America, like, let's take two weeks off before and go around and went to Vegas, New Orleans, and we're in New York for a bit. Like, that was sick. And it sort of got to the point where it's like, if we know we're putting our head down touring-wise, then you can have the enjoyable things as well outside of that. So the work-life balance used to be don't get hung over and work harder and, and then live harder. But now it's like, all right, sweet. Like, I think we're, we're all sort of getting to that state where we're like, all right, well, if we're going there, that we might as well have a bit of a trip and enjoy ourselves around it and then treat the shows as shows. So that was always the hardest thing as well, trying to feel like you're on holiday, but you're not. Like It's taken us years to realize that it's for everyone else. So as much as I would love to be in the front <laughs> row, be like, oh, ah, yeah, and with nine steins attached to a helmet or something like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's work, and but it's fun. It's a good job to have. It, you probably wouldn't want to trade it for many other jobs and there'd be a lot of people who would love to trade their jobs for what you do as well so it's good <laughs> that you have that perspective uh you're also hitting up europe at the start of next year as well so there's plenty of potential sites to see over there as well but Classes, i think the most yeah. impressive site to be seen is here on the central coast at the entrance memorial park where you'll be hitting up uh is it let the good times roll let the Good Times Roll Festival, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's one, one day after there's the other. There's two back-to-back. I couldn't remember if it was Let the Good Times Roll or Rolling Sets, but you'll be up here on the Central Coast for one or the other uh, in yeah. December, so just over, just under a month's time, rather. Um, do you have any other dates planned across Australia? Yeah, we're doing the Royal Blood Tour, which I think they're... Um, we're doing River Stage again. That's in Queensland, so it'll be sort of a similar maybe one or two days before that but um next year i don't know how oh no fuck it i can say whatever i want now we're, we're in ourselves like <laughs> yeah <yourself. laughs> there's no one to piss off yeah i think we've got a big big like world tour plan so it'll be next year we've announced the um european dates and then we pretty much follow that up like directly with an american tour back into australia and this time i think we because we sort of got a bit carried away with doing Europe and America that Australia, we've only played like two or shows in Perth since 2017 or 18. Obviously there's COVID in the middle of that. Yeah, it's nuts. And we've been over to Melbourne like three times in that same time, which is like, I think we did a couple of festivals as well, but headline shows. So it sort of took it like, it didn't take that sort of backseat in our own minds, but it was like, all right, like obviously there's this whole world and then you come home and you're like, oh shit, like let's put loads of focus we started working with a new um, booking agent over here with Sloney. Like, um, so it's like, all right, let's try and go to as many places as we can in Australia like next year and really treat that like our home base, like we, we, which, which, which it is. But it's like loads of people are like, oh, like, I thought you were an English band. We're like, no, we're from Perth. We're like, oh, but well, you're always in England. You're like, kind of, <laughs> so after a while, it kind of got like, it was funny. And then you're like, oh my God, like we actually we probably are here more than home. So... Yeah, I think we're looking forward to having a big old Australian tour next year. And yeah, the opposite of the wombats. Yeah, that's the British band who always seem to be touring Australia. Yeah, another one is Alt J. I think everyone thinks they're Mm. Australian, aren't they? 
Now, Jack, we will let you go in just a second. Um, we're about to hit play on Dilemma Us from Evelyn's. The the last single you released before that album, uh, Franzoli, dropped uh, just a couple of days ago. Tell us a little bit about the track we're about to play, but also before we go out, how are your feelings towards this album generally? Is it, um, are you, do you feel it's some of your best work? Are you feeling, I mean, I get the sense that you've got this kind of renewed zest uh, now that you're doing it on your own terms and you've got that honesty with yourself. So what's the attitude and perspective on this album like? Without sounding arrogant, I think it's the best album that is going to come out in Australia the next decade. It's going to be huge. <laughs> no, but... No, I'm stoked with it. I generally am. I feel like, yeah, it took me years to be like, all right. I always kind of got that imposter thing where you're like, what are you doing music for? Like, why, like, why are you four albums in? And then I, oh, I still think my dad is having a big elaborate prank. And one day, like, there's going to be balloons and confetti come down at, like, somewhere <laughs> in a festival. And we're like, we got you. Like, that was always in the back of my head. So I was like, all right. And I think this time around, I'm like, nah, screw it. We're a band. Let's write some music that we would like listening to and not really think about if other people will like it too like sort of trust in our own gut about what we enjoy listening to and this song dilemma from evil was sort of a roundup of that it's like uh thinking the world's always going to end and like you're looking for that panic button but it's always going to carry on because you it's just gonna even if there's three people on a mouse somewhere in a cave it's going to be it's carrying on the world will go on so even if it's a bit different it's it's going to be fun might as well enjoy it it's a great sentiment and a good attitude to have. And um, uh, Jack, we can absolutely confirm that the, the band is real and very influential too. So <laughs> thanks for your music. Um, Cheers. Uh, Fonderoli out now. Um, if you haven't heard it already, get onto that and keep an eye out for Australian shows. If you're going to be in Europe February or so next year, you can catch Psychedelic Corn Cupboards there. But until next time, Jack McEwen, thank you so much for coming on chat to us at Homebrew. Thank you so much for having me on. Cheers.